Meatballs, Meatballs. Meatballs, Meatballs, podcast number 14, film noir. This is Meatball Fulton. We've just finished mixing 50 of these little two-minute noir stories. They're all original stories, but based on noir characters and images. You know... Gangsters, bimbos, cons, cops, lovers, losers, platinum blondes, mink coats, high heels, and neon signs reflecting on rain-slick streets. I'm going to play you some of these stories, but in case you don't know what I'm talking about, film noir goes back to the 1930s German Expressionism, movies like Peter Lorre and M. With the rise of Hitler, some of the great German directors like Fritz Lang took off for America and Hollywood, and then after the war in the late 40s and the 50s, this dark cinema emerged. There are B-movies, the dark side of the American dream. The early influences were the gangster films of Cagney and Edward G. Robinson, where crime never pays. But with film noir, Often, like in real life, crime pays very well indeed. I'll play you something. A man meets a mysterious woman in a cafe in Paris. It's called Chez Tootsie. It was in Paris in one of those retro, noirish cafes, the sort of place that's always dark, even in daylight. It's the sort of place you'd expect to find Hemingway or Fitzgerald, or maybe Gertrude Stein and Alice B. huddled together at the next table. It's the sort of place where American expatriates hung out back in the 1920s and 30s. When you walked down the steps into Chez Tootsie, it was like stepping into a time warp. Bonjour. Vous avez une allumette, un feu? What's that? A light. Oh, yeah, sure. Oh, Zippo. Are you Tootsie? No, 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 no. I'm Claudette. I'm Freddy. Mm, American. That's right. After that, I spent a lot of time in Shade Tootsie. I felt I fit right in with its bohemian clientele. But it was Claudette I wanted to see. I asked her out. She said no. Finally, I told her, I've fallen in love with you. I know, Freddy. Will you go away with me? I cannot, Freddy. Why not? We are from the different time. What do you mean? I don't know. I have to go back to the States. Why? Business. When you come back? You bet I will. When? In a few weeks. You do not stay long. I won't, I promise. Write to me, Freddy. I will. Send it to me a care of Chez Tootsie. So a few weeks in the States turned into months. First, I wrote almost every day, then every week, then less as time went by. Claudette never wrote back. For some reason, I didn't expect she would. Then one day, my letter was returned, no such address. And then another came back, and another. I caught the next flight to Paris. I couldn't find the cafe. I couldn't find the street. People told me there never was a Chez Tootsie. On my last night in Paris, I went to see a movie. It was an old black and white film from the 30s. I was tired, I was dozing off when I heard. I opened my eyes. It was her. There she was, on the screen. And there was the cafe. 
and there was an American, and they fell in love. It was then I realized that I'd been playing his part. I should mention that NPR has a midday show called Day to Day, and they've been airing some of these two-minute pieces. One of the reasons I wanted to do these shorties was to see if I could get radio drama back on NPR. Apparently, I succeeded, or at least for the moment. But the main reason I did this is because I like doing short things. You can download them onto iPods or cell phones and listen whenever you have nothing better to do or put it on shuttle and let them pop up at random between songs. Okay, back in February, I was invited to Oslo to attend the European Broadcasting Union workshop on audio drama. There were producers from the BBC, Norway, of course, and other Scandinavian countries, but also Ireland, France, Germany, lots of Slavic countries, even from Russia, and everyone spoke English. Amazing. I played some of these two-minute noirs for the group, and they loved it. Speaking of Germany, there was a playwright who I was very influenced by when I was young, Bertolt Brecht. He worked with a composer, Kurt Weill. You've heard the song, Mac the Knife. It came from a play called The Three Penny Opera. One of the songs in the play was The Pirate Jenny. It was sung by the actress Lottie Lenya. You can find it on YouTube. I think they translate it as The Sailor Jenny. A woman sings about how she plans to get even. And I'm certain that was somewhere in the dark recesses of my mind when I wrote this piece. A Big Sack of Wind. He's always showing off, spending big. He'll show up at the blue fedora with some eye-popping dame on his arm, sometimes two of them, both in mink coats. And he's always got his bodyguards, two thugs with bulges in the jackets. He runs a numbers racket. <laughs> he runs all kinds of rackets. My Johnny worked for him. I don't know what went wrong, but something did. And now Johnny's gone. He's a big sack of wind. So I decided to let a little wind out of his bag. I work at the Blue Fedora. I'm a hat check girl. Hats and coats. How are you, Mr. Rico? Uh, here you go, Lopey. I take his big, heavy overcoat. Probably cost a thousand dollars. Come on, give me the ticket, Lopey. I hate it when he calls me Dopey. Here you are, Mr. Rico. Yeah. I'm thinking maybe I can put a in his pocket. He'll never know the difference. Here's your coat, Mr. Rico. Hand it here, Lopey. And then when he steps outside, except maybe it blows out all the windows. People get stuck with flying glass. And anyway, where am I going to buy a bomb? So then I'm thinking, maybe some kind of poison, huh? I heard about poison frogs in the Amazon. And the Indians, they smear the arrowheads with the stuff, and whatever it punctures, they're dead. They kill right over. Kaplop. Would you like your coat, Mr. Rico? Yeah, come on, hurry it up, Lopey. Come on, give me that coat. So he sticks his hand in his pocket. Ow! What the hell? Ah! Oh! <laughs> and where am I gonna find a frog? I could fix 
his brakes so they didn't work. Uh, what the hell? Ah, but I'm no mechanic. So maybe I'll Come on, Dopey, give me call. Give me call. Yeah, sure. Here you are, Mr. Rico. Where was I? Yeah, yeah. So I, I set him up and a rival gang there waiting. And then he steps outside. How's it feel to have your nice coat all filled with holes, huh, Mr. Rico? So when I try to give it to St. Vincent de Paul... What kind of moths make holes like these? Now that let your air out, didn't it? You big sack of wind. Yeah. One day maybe I'll do that. People think that film noir is about detectives, but apparently there were only a few films that were about detectives, like Philip Marlowe or Sam Spade. Most of the films were not about detectives, but there were a lot of gangsters and cops. As I was writing the last of these 50 episodes, I began to wonder, just how much story can I squeeze into two minutes? Can I squeeze the plot of a novel into two minutes, but a novel that hadn't been written yet? And so I wrote this piece called A Small Price to Pay. I'm here at the train station. What time are you arriving? I met someone. What's that mean? When I was on my way to the city. Is this seat taken? No. I'll move my things. He was looking strangely at me. The book you're reading. I know the author. Really? He's my husband. What was his name? Polly. Polly? His last name is Polly. The story he wrote is mine. He stole it? It's about my life. Who the hell is Polly? You lived these things? Your husband embellished it a bit, but pretty much yes. Who is this guy? He'll tell you he never heard of me. Where do you know him from? Kabul, Afghanistan, before the war. You're here for the poppies. It's not that simple. He told you about the trade. I'll give you the details, just keep my name out of it. I was never in Kabul. He had photographs. With Photoshop, you can do anything. You showed him a picture of me. This is your wife? Yes. She's beautiful. Okay, look, we'll talk about this later. He said you promised to split the royalties. What, is he nuts? I never saw a dime. Why don't you talk to him? I tried. This is ridiculous. I'll tell you what happened when you get here. I'm not coming. What are you saying? I'm going away with Polly. Are you crazy? He's a drug dealer. He was, but at least he's honest about it. Helen, he's not... a good person. The call to prayer that you heard, I recorded in Sumatra when I was there during Ramadan a few years back. When the composer Tim Clark heard the train whistle and the call to prayer, he pitched the music to match those frequencies, and it turned out to be an interesting kind of, uh, and haunting kind of piece. I have to say something about the music that Tim Clark did for these stories. 
I feel it's some of his best work ever. I take my braid off to you, Tim. Okay, one last piece and I'm out of here. You may have noticed that the actors I'm using for Two Minute Film Noir are the same that you'll find in Ruby. Bill, who plays Taru and Ruby, and Art, who plays Andor and Kapoor, and Blanche Laura, who plays Ruby, Cheyenne, who's Angel Cheeks and Ruby Seven, and so on. They really had a lot of fun playing these noir characters. Everybody likes to play gangsters and stuff. Now the last one. There was a local restaurant called Galloway's, and I was sitting at the bar having a hamburger and a beer one night, watching people in the mirror when the story popped into my mind. I went down to Galloway's and had a burger. I'm wearing a checkered shirt and a Yankees cap. I sit at the bar. Hi, Joe. Hi, Bart. The usual? Yeah, the usual. Behind the bar, the whole wall is a mirror, so I got a good view of the place. I notice a guy sitting back against the far wall. He looks familiar. In fact, he looks a lot like me, but a better class of me. He looks like an Italian film director. I'm thinking, with the right wardrobe, I could look like that. And about then, a very attractive and stylish chick slips into the chair beside him. The chick, she looks bored, bored and beautiful. I'm watching all this reflected in the mirror. So I turn around to get a better look at her. She's sitting there, but she's alone. The guy's gone. I slip off the bar stool and walk over. She looks up and smiles. There's a guy over there. He's been watching us. What guy? He's wearing a checkered shirt and a baseball cap. Oh, yeah? His back is to us, but I saw his face in the mirror. I swear, he looks like you. No. Well, maybe a seedier version. At first, I think she's playing with me. But I turn around, and there's a guy with a checkered shirt sitting at the bar with his back to us. That's him. A thought is now entering my mind. Leave with her. Do it now. Maybe it's your doppelganger. My what? Why don't you go say hello? I gotta admit it's tempting. So I start for the bar. Don't forget me. So I turn around and say, baby, don't you worry. But then when I turn back, the bar stool's empty. Hey, Joe. Wasn't there a guy sitting here? Yeah, you? No, some guy who looks like me. Yeah, that's what I said. I look in the mirror. She's still there. Here you go. What's this? That's what you asked for. Oh. It's not what I drink, but if my double ordered it, I figure he's got good taste, so... Hmm. Good. I look in the mirror. I don't see her. I turn around. She's gone. I don't know how many times I've gone back to Galloway's. I sit at the bar, looking at the mirror, watching me, watching everybody else. Life passes, but it's all reflection. So that's it. These are some stories from our latest series, Two Minute Film Noir. You can find it on our website, zbs.org. This is Meatball Fulton, zbs.org.